He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811, you're at the right place. Because there's a big case before the Supreme Court involving the state of Mississippi and its law, uh, its law respecting abortion. Now, it's time for a little bit of background here because the reporting on this is not only hysterical, it's unconscionable. The question before the court is whether the Mississippi law, in their view, violates the federal constitution or not. And so the further question is whether or not that will influence the Roe versus Wade decision. The Roe versus Wade decision does not have a syllable of constitutionality in it, not one. It's not just Scalia and Thomas and Alito and others who've said that. That's right, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Although she supports it and supported a radical abortion agenda, she acknowledged the fact, well, it's not in the Constitution. And that the Roe versus Wade decision wasn't a very well-crafted decision. It was crafted by Harry Blackman, really by his clerks, his law clerks. And it basically is a decision that is rambling, that's largely incoherent, that uses psychoanalysis. There is absolutely nothing in the 14th Amendment, despite, despite what the solicitor uh, general of the United States argued, despite what Charles Freed says up there at Harvard, former solicitor general under Reagan, they keep mentioning. Yeah, he was a uh, solicitor general under Reagan, but that doesn't give him the credentials uh, as far as I'm concerned, I knew him quite well. He wasn't particularly solid as far as I was concerned. Appointments are made and people become disappointments. He was one of them. But all this said, the 14th Amendment, ladies and gentlemen, originally had to do with the freed slaves. The 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments to the United States Constitution, adopted by three-fourths 
actually more, but at least three-fourths of the states. And what was happening was, even though the slaves were said to be free, their rights were not, their rights were not being enforced as equal citizens. So you have the Equal Protection Clause and the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment. Essentially, way back when it was understood that the Bill of Rights does not apply to the states. Read them. That the Bill of Rights do not apply to the states. So what the Supreme Court started to do in more recent history, the past century, is they had what they called the Incorporation Doctrine. And they started to incorporate the Bill of Rights, first aspects of it, essentially all of it now, into uh, application to the states. But it just shows you back then how significant state authority was, and that so many people ran for state office rather than federal office because that's where the action was. But obviously after the Civil War, that wasn't where the action was, and certainly after the New Deal, that wasn't where the action was. Now, I just want to point out that the 14th Amendment has absolutely nothing to do with abortion. So what people are doing is they're saying, you have a right to your body, you have a privacy right. Now, they don't say you have a right to your body or privacy right when it comes to something like a vaccine or most other things, where the government's keeping enormous amount of data on you, on your activities, on your movements, on your background, and so forth. They don't say it then. And, of course, we have all kinds of laws, all kinds of laws that go against this privacy right as applied by the left, not as understood by you and me. It's not a privacy right if you believe that abortion is murder, to kill a baby in the womb. That's not a privacy right. Well, a woman can do whatever she wants with her body. A privacy right. Well, do you have a privacy right? I'm just curious. Do you have a privacy right in your own home to abduct somebody and to molest them? Of course not. Do you have a privacy right to cook heroin, if that's what you do with heroin, I don't even know, in your bedroom? Of course not. Do you have a privacy right to, uh, to hatch a terrorism plot in your living room? Of course not. So privacy rights need to be understood as we commonly understood them, and that's what the left does. They take common language and common words, and they twist them into a pretzel. The question is what, not whether abortion will survive Supreme Court decisions. Even if the Supreme Court were to rule against Roe v. Wade, there still would be abortions in this country. Before Roe v. Wade, states made the determination of whether there would be abortions and how abortions would be uh, handled. In other words, how early in the pregnancy, how late in the pregnancy. Does anybody think there's a single blue state in this country that wouldn't allow abortion on demand, or pretty much abortion on demand? Does anybody think that there isn't a Republican state in the country that wouldn't allow some level of abortions? Even Mississippi is allowing that. We have in this country federalism, 50 states for a reason. We have mobility for a reason. Why do you think so many people are moving to Florida from New York, from Illinois, from Connecticut, from New Jersey and other states? Because they want to be free. They want to be free from vaccine mandates. They want to be free from confiscatory taxes. They want to be free from, from governors that allow riots and allow stores to be looted. Where you have in Florida and Texas and other states, governors and uh, governments that say no. 
So one of the great things we have in this country that keeps this country together, that keeps this country bound and glued together despite its diversity, despite people who support abortion, oppose abortion, support the death penalty, oppose death penalty, support prayer in school, oppose prayer in school, is 50 states, is federalism. Because once the Supreme Court makes a decision, nine lawyers, maybe it's five to four or six to three, so once five lawyers, six lawyers, seven lawyers make a decision, it's imposed upon the entirety of the nation. So half of the country wins and half of the country loses, or whatever the percentage is. This is why you've had a constant battle for 50 years, for half a century, over Roe versus Wade. Because it's an illegitimate decision that was imposed on the people of this country by nine lawyers. Not nine lawyers. I think it was seven lawyers, in fact. But whatever. And now it's a right. It's a woman's right. It's not a woman's right. I hate to tell you this. There's two human beings involved. It's not a woman's right. And you know what's interesting? The more, there is, the, the more advanced technology is, the more advanced science is, the more advanced human knowledge is, the more it's clear that it's a human being. What is it if it's not a human being? So we're talking about abortion of any kind, basically, even late-term abortion right before the baby's born. That's not a baby? So why do we have throughout this country criminal statutes that if you murder a pregnant woman and the baby dies too, that's two charges of first-degree murder or capital murder? Why is that? Are we seriously not going to acknowledge that that's a human being? We have all kinds of doctors giving all kinds of advice to women on how to, on how to protect their baby in the womb so they come to full term, Right? Certain things you eat, certain things you don't do, you know, you don't use cocaine. Why? To protect another human being, that's why. Now, whether you agree with me or not is not the point. The point of the debate now is who gets to decide? Who gets to decide? Now, if you say woman has a right to do whatever she wants with her body. Well, of course, we'd have to get rid of all the drug laws, too. But a woman has a right to do whatever she wants with her body. Okay. So maybe there's 30 states in the country that say she does. Maybe there's 20, uh, 10 states that say she doesn't. Maybe there's another 10 states that say, wait a minute, I'm going to effectively cut the baby in half. That's how the system's supposed to work. The people have a say in the morality of the nation, in the culture of the nation, not just the elites, not just people who, who are picked from a lottery effectively and become Supreme Court justices. Not just politicians in Washington, D.C., not just federal courts. The people have a say, and they ought to have a say in a matter that's of such consequence. Of such consequence. That's the issue before the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court's supposed to be neutral. The Supreme Court's supposed to be neutral. I hear it said, no, stare decisis, which means precedent. The court is to follow precedent. We have 50 years of precedent. We have this case, we have uh, the Planned Parenthood Casey case. Look at the precedent we have, ladies and gentlemen. Precedent? Do those same people think Dred Scott should be precedent? Do those same people think Plessy versus Ferguson should be precedent? Do those same people think Korematsu should be president? precedent? Of course not. 
Roe versus Wade broke precedent. That is a neutral Supreme Court that effectively stayed out of this. What was going on in the late 50s, 60s, and into the 70s, and even today, really, is the Supreme Court nationalizing decisions about morality, about culture, about social issues, call them whatever you want, where the court decided the American people were too stupid to decide them, that the states were too stupid to go their own way. And so whether it's prayer, whether it's, uh, whether, whether it's a, a manger scene in the public square, uh, whether it is abortion, whether it is marriage, the Supreme Court has decided only it has the intelligence and the foresight to make the right decisions. So it has nationalized decisions. It's taken over all these decisions. Almost none of them have a constitutional predicate. Now, when we come back, I want to dig a little bit further into this. So stick with me. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Some of you go, oh, Mississippi's so backwards. Really? It's backwards because they want to save babies? They passed a law that said abortions after 15 weeks, basically four months, uh, are illegal, essentially, in Mississippi. Because they looked at the science and the technology, and they looked how babies are saved. Preemies, we call them, I believe. And uh, we, we live in this schizophrenic world since Roe versus Wade, that we're not dealing with babies, when of course we're dealing with babies. And so the, the radical pro-abortion movement wants to dehumanize, as they want to dehumanize so much on the left, they want to dehumanize what we're talking about. So for people who are mostly unaffected by this, women who would never think of an abortion, never had an abortion, or a or, or man, or what have you, Okay, free to choose. What's the big deal? It's a big deal. It's a big deal for a lot of people. And you can see the politics that plays in this and why the Supreme Court was profoundly mistaken to get involved in this issue at all. Profoundly mistaken. To even take it up. These are nine flesh and blood human beings, ladies and gentlemen, with their own experiences, their own political viewpoints, in many cases their own set of beliefs and and morals and faiths. They have a faith. 
And so why should they be free to substitute what they think for what you think? Because Roe versus Wade is not a constitutionally based decision. Everybody knows that, except those who are extreme activists. And the media keeps saying that abortions will end, but abortions won't end. Abortions will continue. They will continue. So the pro-abort crowd, depending on what happens here, should be thrilled because abortions will be happening. I doubt if abortions would be ended at all. I mean, in any extensive way. Unless Roe was overturned. And unless the Supreme Court takes the position and reverses course completely, that that is a human being, it's not a choice, and so forth and so on. Despite what some of us wish, that's not going to happen. You know, this group that I talk about, that believes in pro-birth, that I talk about from time to time, a sponsor, they go about fighting this one pregnant woman at a time. It's called preborn. And the preborn folks are wonderful folks, great humanitarians, who are strongly opposed to abortion, as am I. And they make an effort every single day in clinics and elsewhere to try and introduce women to their babies through sonograms and so forth. It's a fantastic group. But the Supreme Court shouldn't say abortion is constitutional and this is what we're going to... The Supreme Court, what they should have said is we have no role in this. Any more than we really should have any role in the death penalty in the states too. Or many other areas where the court's involved, I would argue, including prayer. I don't know why it's become so fashionable that these nine elitist lawyers, although I wouldn't call three of them elitist, they're actually quite solid. But why six elitist lawyers and three others should be substituting their personal beliefs, effectively that's what Roe is, for the rest of us. The people should be able to decide this through their elected state representatives. That's it. Now, I want you to hear some of this, some of the discussion that actually took place in the court today. And Clarence Thomas was actually quite active in the oral arguments today. I consider him a tremendous historic justice. Alito has been absolutely fantastic to Gorsuch in some ways, if not most ways. I'll be right back. But then, the thunder on the right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. I was wondering there for a second if we were coming back. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I want to remind you, folks, we're in the middle of Hanukkah. Over at Amazon.com. And Christmas is 24 days away. I want to remind you that American Marxism is $14. It's half price. It's 50% off the greatest discount we've ever seen, I think, on any of my books, but certainly this one. You're probably not going to find the book in Costco anymore because after five months, and they gave us five months, which they do for very, very few books, so we're very, we're very appreciative, 
they won't be carrying it anymore. Every other retail store will. Walmart, uh, you go down the list, they'll all have them. And uh, Target, we've got Sam's and BJ's and, uh, and uh, Books a Million and on and on and on. All these wonderful uh, retailers. So if you're in those stores, by all means. But Amazon has it today, right now, at 50% off. And I want to strongly encourage those of you who do not have a copy, now's the time to get your hardback copy. Or if you prefer ebook or audio, if you like, if you're a trucker and you're in your car a lot or your truck a lot. But it is the perfect gift. It's the perfect gift to spread the word because we want to keep up this battle right into the midterm elections. But this is a culture war as much as it is a political war, if not more. And that's what American Marxism is about. There's 22,000 comments on Amazon about this book. 22,000. Five stars. 4.9 rating. None of my books have ever had that, and there's a reason for this. This is the number one book in 2022. Fiction or nonfiction. The number one book. It's not even close. We absolutely slaughtered Bob Woodward, Obama, Hillary Clinton... You did this. We need one more step. We need to get the book into the hands of as many people as we can, whether it's your parents or your grandparents, whether it's your children or your grandchildren. If they're going to college and high school especially, maybe you have colleagues and friends, others in your neighborhood. It's so affordable now. It's 14 bucks. That's two trips to McDonald's. Really. That's it. 14 bucks. The lowest it's been is $16.99 or $16.84. So now's the time to strike. And by the way, if you buy it at this price, it's Amazon that loses. They're the ones making the discount. So I would strongly encourage you. Let's keep moving. This pushback, this We Choose Liberty, has only just begun. This movement has only just begun. And we cannot allow it to end. And I think you'll really enjoy the book. I know there's a lot of stuff in this book that'll, that'll upset you, but at the very end of the book, Chapter 7, I talk about what we can do about it, and many people are doing it. One of the things I talk about in Chapter 7 at the end, the activist chapter, is that people who donate to these huge endowments of these colleges need to start exercising some power. And there's an article today that people who are donating to colleges now are going to withhold money and and are pressuring these colleges and universities to get off this radical agenda. This is exactly what we wanted. Also in the book, remember the book's been out there a while. We talk about what parents can do and citizens can do with the Freedom of Information Act or filing IRS complaints against the unions. People are doing this. It's a big deal. It's not just a book where you read and say, okay, now what do we do? But it also explains what's taking place. And I want to thank those colleagues of mine in broadcasting who have read the book and are regurgitating parts of the book without, of course, mentioning the book, which is asinine. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. 14 bucks, now's the time to strike. You can't get anything for 14 bucks. You can't get anything. Anyway, so I wanted to pass that along to you. And I have a treat for you. You're going to hear some of what took place in the Supreme Court in one moment. All right, let's get started here. Clarence Thomas, in oral arguments today, what is the specific abortion right? I, I, you know, 
That's what he's asking the, uh, the Solicitor General of the United States, Elizabeth Prologar. Cut one, go. Uh, General, would you specifically tell me, uh, uh, specifically uh, state what the right is? Is it specifically abortion? Is it uh, liberty? Is it autonomy? Is it privacy? The right is grounded in the liberty component of the 14th Amendment, Justice Thomas, but I think that it promotes interests in autonomy, bodily integrity, liberty, and equality. And I do think that it is specifically the right to abortion here, the right of a woman to be able to control without the state forcing her to continue a pregnancy, whether to carry that baby to term. I understand we're talking about abortion here, but what is confusing is that we, if, if we were talking about the Second Amendment, I know exactly what we're talking about. If we're talking about the Fourth Amendment, I know what we're talking about because it's written, it's there. What specifically is the right here that we're talking about? Well, Justice Thomas, I think that the court in those other contexts with respect to those other amendments has had to articulate what the text means and the bounds of the constitutional guarantees. And it's done so through a variety of different tests that implement First Amendment rights, Second Amendment rights, Fourth Amendment rights. So I don't think that there is anything unprecedented or anomalous about the right that the court articulated in Rowan Casey and the way that it implemented that right by defining the scope of the liberty interest uh, by reference to viability and providing that that is the moment when the balance of interest tips and when the state can act to prohibit a woman from, from getting an abortion based on its interest in protecting the fetal life Now let's stop point. right there because something interesting she just said, if you listen carefully, even though she speaks very quickly, she talks about it implemented the right by defining the scope of the liberty interest by reference to viability. And providing that is in the moment when the balance of interest tips. Okay, this has nothing to do with the Constitution, of course, but nonetheless, listen to the concession there. It's very important. Listen to the concession. She said viability. But that's not what the Federal Congress talks about when funding abortion. That's not what we're talking about when we're talking about the final stages of abortion. The baby is viable. That's the point. And that's where the American people, a significant majority, have a problem. That is, partial birth abortion is viability. And there's viability and increasing length of period of viability. So I don't know if she meant to say that or not, but it seems to me a concession if the justices are really focused on what she's saying. All right, continue. The right specifically is abortion. It's the right of a woman prior to viability to control whether to continue with a pregnancy, yes. So he's saying, so the right is an abortion, yes. So his point is, okay, that's not in the Constitution. It's not like the right to bear arms, and the, the right to due process, the right to equal... You're saying it's a right to an abortion. She's saying yes. And she says, it's the right of a woman prior to viability to control whether to continue with a pregnancy, yes. So she pulls back prior to viability prior to viability. This is very interesting. So number one, if it's not viable, she's saying you can abort. If it is viable, she seems to suggest that's a different standard. Now, I want to say this. She didn't answer his question. 
because Roe v. Wade finds the abortion right in at least half a dozen parts of the Constitution. Blackman basically, well, you might find it in the 14th Amendment with equal protection, you might find it in due process, you might find... And he goes, and it's really quite ludicrous. Very ludicrous. Cut to go. I, w- I know your interest here is in abortion. I understand that. But if I were to ask you what constitutional right protects the right to abortion? Um, is it privacy? Is it autonomy? What would it be? So he's going back at her and saying, okay, where do you find this somewhere in the text of the Constitution? I understand you want to protect abortion. I understand that's your view. Equal protection? That's awfully ambiguous. Due process? That's awfully ambiguous. Go ahead. It's liberty, Your Honor. It's the uh, textual protection in the 14th Amendment that a state can't deprive a person of liberty without due process of law. And the court has interpreted liberty to include the right to make family decisions and the right to physical autonomy, including the right to end a previability pregnancy. So it's all of the above. Well, that's how the court has interpreted the Liberty Clause for over 100 years in cases going back to Meyer, Griswold, Carey, Loving, Lawrence. Yeah, but, I mean, all of those sort of just come out of Lochner. So we've dropped part of it. So I understand what you're saying, but what I'm trying to focus on is if we, is to lower the level of generality or at least be a little bit more specific. In the old days, we used to say it was a right to privacy that the court found in the uh, due process, substantive due process clause, okay? So, or in substantive due process. And I'm trying to get you to tell me what are we relying on now? Is it privacy? Is it autonomy? What is it? I think it continues to be liberty, and the right exists whatever level of generality the court applies. Now, that's very interesting. So the test is liberty. He really has exposed her. So the test is liberty. Whose liberty? The woman's liberty. The test is liberty. Now, I hope all the people bringing lawsuits on this vaccine mandate are paying attention because we have Dr. Fauci, we have Biden, we have the... The whole slew of these people saying, these people believe in individual liberty? What are they talking about? This goes beyond liberty. And these are doctors, so-called experts, in the President of the United States. Okay? Just keep in mind what she's saying. If you have smart lawyers in these cases, and I'm sure most of you do, they should be picking up everything the Solicitor General of the United States is saying in this case. Liberty. That's it. That's the test. Liberty. Now, it's pretty ironic coming from the left. And it's pretty ironic when you're talking about abortion. Like, who's liberty? Who's liberty? There's two people with liberty interests. Anyway, go ahead. Tradition under the common law for centuries of women being able to end their pregnancies. All right. Whoa, 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 whoa. We have... Among civilized industrial countries, probably the most radical, or certainly among the most radical, uh, abortion access in this country. Seriously, up there with communist China and communist North Korea. I'm not kidding. Most of Europe 
does not have the kind of radicalized extremist abortion access that we have in this country. And we have 50 states in this country. Certain states want to make decisions for themselves. Go ahead. When it comes to decisions related to family, marriage, and childbearing, the court has done the analysis at a higher level of generality, and that makes sense because otherwise the Constitution would reinforce the historical discrimination against women. The Constitution doesn't reinforce historical discrimination against anybody. She's using the 14th Amendment that was passed after the Civil War that applied to free black slaves to promote abortion. It has nothing to do with the rest. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Senator Gene Shaheen is a Democrat from New Hampshire, which was formerly a Republican state until people from Massachusetts were moving there. Um, and here's what she had to say at a virtual event on Monday. Cut six, go. The attempt to have stake this infringement on women's rights, on our privacy, on the attempt to have state control of our personal health, really is what we would see in an authoritarian state. It's not what we would expect in New Hampshire. I think if you want to see a revolution... Go ahead, outlaw Roe v. Wade, and see what the response is of the public, particularly young people. Now, the countries that are closest to us in terms of their abortion practices are communist China and North Korea. These are genocidal states, just so you know. So she's got it wrong. It's the autocratic authoritarian states that do the sort of things and permit the sort of things that we do here. Now, that said, now you have a senator... In the middle of a case, talking about if you want to see a revolution, if you think you want to see a revolution, go ahead, outlaw Roe versus Wade. That's what she said. There will be no accountability for that. No accountability for that. I wonder what Liz Cheney in in the head case, Adam Kingsinger, think about that. You won't see anything in the slimes or the compost. You won't hear anything on the major networks. You won't see anything by these discredited, phony propaganda operations saying, look at her. She's promoting violence. She's suggesting violence. Revolution? You want to see a revolution? Wow. There won't be anything. She won't be held to account in any respect, Jean Shaheen. You're allowed to be violent and promote violence if you're on the left. Let's be honest. And if you do it over and over again, depending on what state you're in, most of the blue states, they'll let you out the back door so you can harm somebody else. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. First of all, I want to thank all of you folks 
As the ratings come in for our different stations and so forth, our ratings are stronger than ever across the board. You know, when you're on the time I'm on, particularly in the East Coast and the Midwest, you're often up against sporting events, baseball and so forth. There's not a lot of shows that can uh, compete with that. We do because of you. But particularly the last three months, and the numbers are coming in for November, it's been extremely powerful. And I'm so gratified and so honored to have you in the audience. I can't really articulate it properly. I wish I could. But I feel like we're a big national family. When I go to different places around the country, even in the neighborhood, it's really just so obvious how blessed I am when you folks come up to me, want to shake my hand, want to give an autograph. I try to take the time to do all those things, by the way, and I just uh, cannot thank you enough. Look at the book, American Marxism. You did this. You're spreading the word. You're defending the classrooms. You're now dealing with these corporations uh, and all these other issues we've talked about. I mean... The Republican Party is largely clueless. They don't even understand there's a massive movement underway. You. A massive movement underway. And uh, again, that's because you love this country and you're willing to do what you need to do to save it. You're the people who make this country work. Not the people in Washington. No, no, no. They sabotage us in so many respects. They betray us in so many effects. You make the country work. And you're under attack all the time. I view my role as trying to defend you, defend this country, and defend what we stand for. We all have families. Many of us have kids and grandkids. You know, we only have a limited time on this earth. And we have to do whatever we can to preserve the greatest country on the face of the earth from those who would destroy it in two minutes if they had the power to do so. And we have to make sure they don't. Anthony Fauci is one of the people who's actually destroying this country, and I hope they pick this up at George Soros' Media Matters and Dan Abrams' Mediaite. And they uh, throw up all over, their, all over their sneakers pushing this because it's true. It's absolutely true. He is an incompetent. He's highly political. And this is extremely disturbing. We have something called the Omicron variant. I talked about this earlier. I'm not sure at this point if it was Monday or last week. And it was the the lead doctor, the lead expert in South Africa who noticed this and reported on this and specifically stated that it is a very, very mild variant. Who would know better than her and the South Africans since this is where where it was first noticed and first spreading? So there's one case of it in the United States, in California, in San Francisco. A person who was fully vaccinated came into the country from San Francisco. And as if to leap into autocratic action, Fauci comes to the microphone. And I want to make a broader point before I jump to this. I have noticed, because Biden had some kind of little press event today where he doesn't take questions or takes a few questions. 
The only time Biden comes to a microphone and gives one of these these little targeted speeches is to give a political speech where he defends himself and he attacks somebody else, whether it's Trump or the unvaccinated or the Republicans or, 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 or the private sector, whatever it is. They send him out there to do the attacks and to do the attacking. He never says anything that's, that's substantive, something you didn't know, something that they're working on. Again, in a substantive way, it's always surface-level, superficial, and always attack, divert, and lie. And he did that today. He did it today. You know, he basically said, if you're finding shortages and so forth, this is the normal way things happen. You remember the Beanie Babies, that was a big push, or different toys he's talking about. And so in that he's saying, you know, this is to be expected, this is routine. But that's not what we're talking about. He's trying to talk down inflation like it's really getting better at the pump. It's not getting better at the pump. I don't know what the hell he's talking about, what world he lives in. But it's absolutely phony. And the people know it. And the people know it. But Anthony Fauci's phony too. He's as political as he is scientific. Which means he's not scientific. First I want you to hear what he had to say at this press briefing today. Cut 10, go. As some of you may have heard, the, the California and San Francisco Departments of Public Health and the CDC have confirmed that a recent case of COVID-19 among an individual in California was caused by the Omicron variant. Now let's stop right here. I've talked about this month after month after month, almost since the beginning of this virus, but soon thereafter. They want to talk about cases. Always the number of cases. But beyond that, it's hard to get information. How many hospitalizations? How many deaths? No, the number, the number of cases is what they keep talking about. Well, how many cases of cancer do we have in this country? A hell of a lot. Usually around two and a half million a year. How many heart attacks and strokes? How about heart disease? We have so many very serious, potentially lethal diseases. How about diabetes? How many cases do we have? We're going to shut down Dunkin' Donuts? What are we going to do? Remove all the chocolate chip cookies from our grocery shelves? I mean, I could go on and on and on about this. It's interesting. I went back to look at Liberty and Tyranny. You know, sometimes I have to bone up on my own books, and I go back, because at this point I've written so many. I have a whole section on how the government manipulates us. This is almost 13 years ago. By creating scares. I'm not saying the coronavirus wasn't serious. I'm saying so much of what was said was false, and so much of the reporting was hysterical. Attacking people like DeSantis and Abbott. DeSantis was way, way, way ahead of the curve. That's why they don't talk about him anymore. Scott Atlas, so many of these great experts out of Stanford, I've talked about it before, out of Yale, out of Oxford, out of so many top schools, treated as if they're nuts. 
which of course they're not. Go ahead. Genomic sequencing was conducted at the University of California at San Francisco, and the sequence was confirmed at the CDC as being consistent with the Omicron variant. Okay, so... Got it. One, one person has the Omicron variant. What does that mean for the rest of us? What if the rest of us get the Omicron variant? What does that do to us? What do you get, Mr. Producer? You get bigger breasts? You get diarrhea? Hair grows out of your nose? What happens exactly? He has no idea. Go ahead. So I know there are a lot of questions, but here's what we know right now. The individual was a traveler who returned from South Africa on November the 22nd and tested positive on November the 29th. The individual is self-quarantining and all close contacts have been contacted and all close contacts thus far have tested negative. The individual was fully vaccinated and experienced mild symptoms which are improving at this point. So this is the first confirmed case of COVID-19 caused by the Omicron variant detected in the United States. Okay, did you hear anything there about science? Did you hear anything there about its effects other than this individual, and I quote, experienced mild symptoms which are improving at this point? That's it. That's it. Now, the Deuce, a.k.a. Peter Ducey, but the Deuce is one of the only intrepid reporters, real reporters, in the whole White House press corps. So let's take a listen to what is a very simple question, and then you'll see the political answer by Fauci, which is why so many in this country don't trust him and don't like him. Cut 11, go. Fauci, as you advise the president about the possibility of new testing requirements for people coming into this country, does that include everybody? The answer is yes, because you know that the new, uh, uh, the new uh, uh, regulation, if you want to call it that, is that anybody and everybody who's coming into the country needs to get a test within 24 hours of getting on the plane to come here. Well, what about people who don't take a plane and just these border crossers coming in in huge numbers? Whoa, 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 whoa. What about the border crossers coming in in huge numbers, doctor? This has always been the Achilles heel. Because their politics trumps everything, even their phony science. Go ahead. For example, when you talk, we still have Title 42 with regard to protection at the border. So there are protections at the border that you don't... uh, 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 You know damn well, Fauci. I mean, if you're going to lie about this, then it's obvious you don't have a substantive answer. And you're making excuses. And you're supposed to be a scientist. If you're going to be testing people before they come into the United States... There's a simple question. Everybody doesn't take a plane. You have people, foreigners coming into this country from some of the poorest countries on the face of the earth that have some of the worst health care on the face of the earth where people simply are not vaccinated. And they're coming into the country. And they are virus spreaders. And we know that most of them, in fact, are not tested. We have hundreds of thousands of people sneaking in this country. They're called unknown illegal aliens because they, can, they estimate the number of them, but they don't know who they are. And so the people who follow the rules are the people who are put upon it, whether it's guns, whether it's taxes, whether it's the virus or whatever, because we're the people they seek to manipulate. We're the people they seek to control because we're the heart and soul of this country. 
care what party you are, what color you are, that has nothing to do with it. Go ahead. Ability, as you know, of somebody getting on a plane, getting checked, looking at a passport, we don't have that there, but we can get some degree of mitigation. Is there something to do to test these people somewhere else? There, no, there, there, is, there is testing at the border under certain circumstances, as you know. That is a ridiculous response. There's testing at the border under certain circumstances, ladies and gentlemen, few and far between. And, ladies and gentlemen, he doesn't say there's going to be testing on airplanes uh, under certain circumstances. Let me tell you what they're saying. Now, I have the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. I took the original shot, and I took the booster shot. That's two shots. Some of the Moderna, some of the Pfizer. That's two shots, plus the third for the booster if you take it. Okay? What they're saying is, if you're fully, vac- fully vaccinated... You're going to be tested when you leave the country. Then you're going to be tested when you come back to the country. Even if you test negative, that is, you don't have the virus or the variant, which is mild. Mild is what people are saying who know something about it at this point. You're going to self-quarantine in your home for seven days. Now, we've come a long way from stop the spread in 15 days to, all right, you vaccinated once, you vaccinated twice, you vaccinated three times, you tested once, you tested twice, you're in good shape, now stay at home for seven days. And they don't even understand what this variant is yet. To the extent they do, they know it's mild. I don't care if it's the first case or the thousandth case, if it's mild. So their autocracy comes before their science. And that's the problem. And that's the problem. And if they don't have the authority to act, they claim the authority to act through OSHA, for God's sakes, which not a single court in this country has accepted. Not one. We're going to have on this program in exactly one hour Mike Lee. He's one of the few in the United States Senate who is saying, wait a minute, I am not voting for a continuing resolution that provides for this mandate, unless we kill it. And you have Republicans, when they go on Fox, when they go on conservative talk radio in the Senate, they are smooth, they sound like Mark Twain, they are solid as a rock. And then when it comes to, well, will you stand with Mike Lee? No, of course not. Of course I won't do that. Nobody from either party should do that. In other words, when the rubber hits the road, they're not there. And I'm sick of that too. It's time to call some of them out. That later. We'll see how they vote. So his answer for illegal aliens is, well, some of them are tested. That's it. Well, how many were tested in the 70 flights that went into Florida, Jacksonville, Florida? How many of them were tested? He has no idea. But he tells you, we have one case in San Francisco. We've done the testing. And you go, oh, my God, what did we find out? What did we find out? Is it the plague? Is it? No, it's a mild case. And the guy's already getting better. It's been all vaccinated up. He's vaccinated up. He's, 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 gotten, he's gotten the, uh, you know, he's gotten everything he's been told to get. It's unbelievable. Cut, tw- uh, let us go to cut 12. Anthony Fauci, um, Jerry, Jenny Leonard of Bloomberg. Go. Saying that this is more, this proves more transmissible but less virulent than, than Delta, would there be any public health benefit to 
furthering its, its spread by lifting travel restrictions, for example, so it can outcompete the Delta variant? You're talking about something really dangerous. You're talking about let a lot of people get infected to see if, in fact, you could protect them. That's something that I think almost all infectious disease people with any knowledge about infectious disease would not say that's a good idea. Well, how are you going to stop it? You have anything in your magic box of tricks, doctor? How are you going to stop it? They can't stop it. Some things can't be stopped. They can't stop it. More when I return. Mark Lovin. The Democrats need to have these threats over your head. And it's a fact. It's just a fact. The radical left, the American Marxists, they need these threats over your head. If it's not one thing, it's another thing. And they've done it over the course of decades. But now it's completely out of control. As I said the other day, when facing other pandemics, the American people didn't put on masks and hide under their desks for a period of time at home in a fetal position. They didn't stop interacting with other people, whatever the pandemic was. A pandemic, obviously, is something that spreads from one person to another because it affects an entire population or potentially. We did the opposite. We worked harder. We worked harder. We didn't hide. We took on whatever the pandemic was. We tried to confront it, tried to defeat it. I feel like half the country's doing that, and the other half is either hiding or taking advantage of the situation. You know, all kinds of new government programs to subsidize non-work and that sort of thing. But Fauci is more politician than he is scientist. Radio's principal patriot. Call in now at 877-381-3811. Hello, America. How you doing? That's South Philly. How are you? Anyway, now, uh, Peter Ducey to Jen Psaki, who's completely useless, but it's somewhat entertaining. Cut 13, go. A lot of talk about the first Trump-Biden debate today, but at the second one, in 2020, when roughly 220,000 Americans had already died of COVID, Joe Biden said about Trump, anyone who is responsible for that many deaths should not remain as president of the United States of America. Is that still the standard now that more Americans have died under President Biden than President Trump? Well, I think the fundamental question here is what are you doing to save lives and protect people? Oh, the- I see. And what exactly is Joe doing? To save lives and protect people other than make people miserable. Make basics that people need to survive unaffordable. Throwing people who don't bend to his commands out of their jobs. Putting the scarlet letter on everybody's head who's unvaccinated, including people who have natural immunity. Or have some kind of medical malady that does not permit them to be vaccinated. Do you realize about 80% of the nation is vaccinated? That's a lot of people who are vaccinated. And, he, and, that, and we've had experts on this, on my Fox show, tell me he believes 70% or so 
and this is Dr. Risch, of those who aren't vaccinated probably have immunity. But in this administration, uh, the natural immunity does not exist. In this administration, 80% is not good enough. In this administration, the Omicron, a fairly passive, uh, if you will, variant, is reason to do even more extreme things to the American people without a constitutional basis. Go ahead. Our president was suggesting people inject bleach. He never he suggested. Pe- Listen to this. They, keep, they always twist Trump's words, whether it's Charlottesville, whether it's the bleach question or something, that they inject bleach. How stupid. He never said that. I mean, I can go over it. It won't matter. Because the media, Biden administration complex, isn't all that complex. It's a bunch of frauds and propagandists. She has no answer. None. Well, let me remind her that it was under the Trump administration where three vaccines were effectively developed with the private sector. It's under the Trump administration that the most effective therapeutics were developed. How many countless lives have been saved as a result of Donald Trump? Instead, she has to talk about injecting bleach, which, of course, he didn't say. He was saying we need to see why. Well, I don't need to get into this. I can go back and get it. Why should I? Why should I respond to this nitwit? What exactly have they developed in the um, Biden-Fauci apparatus? Something new to attack the virus? Nothing. With the friggin' masks and hide in your house and uh, we need de- And all this information they collect. Whatever happened to HIPAA laws? Now nothing's private. They're going to know everything about you. you got to walk around. Look, effectively, in so many respects, you've got to now have this, this vaccine passport. Effectively, that's what it is. If you want to go into any federal property or any property that has any federal nexus whatsoever, you have to, you have to show them this. And now if you want to travel, you have to show them that, if you leave the country, these, these va- that you've been vaccinated and that you've had the boosters and, and that you've been tested and tested twice, only to be told, all right, go home and stay there for seven days. Go home and stay there for seven days, Mr. Produce. All right. It's really, it's really sickening. Now, Dr. Angelique Cotezzi. I think we should listen to her. She's the national chair of the South African Medical Association. She's the one that discovered the Amicron variant. Oh, my God! It's the Amicron variant! Oh, my God! All right. She's on CNN yesterday. What did she have to say? Well, first of all, she's questioned by a blithering idiot, John Berman. Go ahead. Now, this could change. I understand it's the early stages, but right now... The patients you're seeing with this new variant, you're dealing with very mild to moderate symptoms. You are seeing no or very little severe disease, correct? Yes. Um, Have you treated patients who have been vaccinated and now are coming in with the new variant? And what are you seeing there? Same picture. Interesting enough, with the moderate, uh, the the mild, what we call mild, you know, uh, um, symptoms, uh, that the patients that has been vaccinated so far, I have no complication. They are, you know, it is as if it's. I don't want to use the word self-limiting, 
but um, minimum conservative measurements that they needed, and they feel fine. It it seems to me um, it's about the, the first two days before the government see the doctor, then it's about another three, four days, and they're out of it. That's it. That's it. So, but with Fauci, even if you're vaccinated, let's say the Pfizer, one shot, two shots, and the booster. Even if you test negative, leaving the country and test negative coming back. According to the Washington Compost, and we all know the compost never lies. They're actually thinking about self-quarantining for seven days. Based on nothing. Not science. The opposite of science. Like I say, they put their autocracy before science. That's what they do. And as I've been saying over and over again, all they do is the case count. And we got one case in San Francisco. It's been uh, verified. We did all these genome tests and so forth, backwards, forwards, all around. They did it there. We did it at the CDC. And yes, it's... uh, it's the, uh, it's the Omicron. I'm sorry to say the Omicron is now here. My God! Head for the toilet paper! Anyway, uh, that's why nobody takes these people seriously. It's Donald Trump who drove Operation Warp Speed. Not Fauci. Not Bix or Bricks, whatever the hell her name was. He's the one who did it. And, uh, of course, instead we get from Pasaki. Her nasty little snarky comments, because that's the way libs are, nasty, right? With their little snarky comments, that's the way they are. So do you feel comfortable about this? Now, Fauci's answer on illegal aliens was basically, you know, on occasion they get tested. Wow. But we have a problem now, a big problem, as reported by our friends at Breitbart, John Binder. President Joe Biden's Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas says the agency's new so-called sanctuary country. You know, that's a phrase I used many years ago, Mr. Producer. They're turning us into a sanctuary country, remember? Sanctuary country. Sanctuary country orders will ensure that the majority of illegal aliens living in the United States are not deported. What do you think about that, ladies and gentlemen? The majority of illegal aliens in the United States will not be deported. ICE agents are now instructed not to arrest even or deport criminal, hello, criminal legal aliens unless they pose a, quote, current threat to public safety, unquote. How would you know that? They all have a current threat. The orders require ICE agents to factor in a number of reasons as to why a criminal illegal alien... Criminal illegal alien. You know, the test used to be, what are you going to contribute to the United States? Now it's, if you promise not to do another crime, come on, what is this, a joke? Have we lowered our standards just a little bit too much? What are the reasons not to be arrested or deported? Number one, advanced or tender age, lengthy presence in the United States, a mental condition that may have contributed to the criminal conduct or a physical or mental condition requiring care or treatment, status as a victim of crime or victim, witness or party in legal proceedings, the impact of removal on family in the United States, such as loss of provider or caregiver, whether the non-citizen may be eligible for humanitarian protection or other immigration relief, military or other public service of the non-citizen or their immediate family, time since an offense and evidence of rehabilitation, conviction was vacated or expired. Do you believe this? They listed every single possible out to make sure 
a criminal, illegal alien, is not deported. Now, how many people who voted for Joe Biden support this? How many? In addition, last month, Mayorkas issued a list of protected areas where ICE agents are barred from arresting illegal aliens. That That includes schools, healthcare facilities, places of worship, playgrounds, childcare centers, school bus stops, crisis centers, homeless shelters, rehab facilities, food banks, disaster relief centers, funerals, weddings, protests, rallies, parades. Well, what has left? Nothing. Nothing. Center for Immigration Studies... Analyst, former DHS official John Ferry, plotted all the locations of the Washington, D.C. area where ICE agents are banned from arresting illegal aliens, reviewing few locations that are not protected areas. And there's a map they have, and you can see. It's like 99% of the country is a protected area. And that's in addition to all the exceptions that you just heard me read to you. We've become a sanctuary country. A sanctuary country. They're destroying this country in every conceivable way. Biden and the other Marxists. <gasps> Still, I see people reticent. They'd rather call people socialists. This has nothing to do with socialism. This has nothing to do with socialism. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. spend a lot of time preparing for this show because I don't want to waste your time. If you're, going to, if you're going to take the time to listen to this program, if you're going to take the time out of, your, out of your very important life to listen to this program, I'm not going to shoot from the hip. Now, I wanted to mention this. It appears that the Kate Mayorka, Chris Christie, and you may have heard this all day, but not from me, in his first week, has sold a whopping 2,289 copies of his book. Hello, 2,289 copies of his book. By my calculation, that's barely over 2,000 copies in a week since it was published. Now, the interesting thing, he poses himself, as the Daily Mail points out, as the savior of the Republican Party. And he's been on every freak show you can imagine, including with Nicole Wallace, speaking about, talking about freaks. I'm surprised he didn't show up with Joy Reid, quite frankly. Maybe he did. Oh, by the way, as a side note, ever since I was on Hannity's show, maybe six weeks ago, a month ago, and I specifically pointed out not just Joy Reid, but Joy Reid in particular, And in one of my opening monologues on Life, Liberty, and Living, again some time ago, that Joy Reid is an out-of-the-closet racist and bigot. That she should be removed. And I've been talking about how the media are racist, how they are dividing this country, how they are destroying this country. As you know, I wrote an entire book on this, but I've been really hammering and hammering this because we need to push back. Now my friends have the guts to say the same thing. So I want to congratulate them. Finally. Joy Reid is what Joy Reid is. That's the way it is. And she's not alone. 
And MSNBC, which is owned by Comcast, Comcast should be pressured. Of course, I don't mind different types of people giving opinion on television. I do mind out-of-the-closet racists. I really do. And she's among the leading. So is that lady Tiffany. What's her last name? I can't remember. Cross? Tiffany Cross is a Joy Reid wannabe. There should be no room on national TV platforms, even that only have three viewers. No room for this kind of racism. None. It wouldn't survive anywhere else. They talk about Fox. It wouldn't survive on Fox. This is Nicole Wallace. What a putrid, dumb human being. Why is she on TV? Seriously. All right, I want to get back to the uh, Cape Cod, uh, excuse me, the Cape May Orca when we return. Be right back. Here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. Now, Chris Christie has written a book on the future of the Republican Party. And uh, this guy's a blowhard. And um, he's also a chameleon. He, uh, he was all over the place. He was all over MSLSD and the Constipated News Network. He was even on, on uh, my favorite cable channel, Fox. He was on The View. He was on... Uh, I guess ABC's with George uh, Stuffin Octopus or whatever his name is. He was on, uh, let's see, The Daily Show, CNBC. He was on HBO twice, according to the Daily Mail. He was all over the place, spewing his attacks on Trump. <clears throat> I don't know if he actually wrote the book. Perhaps he did. I didn't even know he read books, to be honest with you. So this is a, a book. He did an interview with the Associated Depressed. I mean, he was all over the place. Notice I didn't talk to almost any of these people. They wouldn't have me and I wouldn't have them. Uh, He provided uh, excerpts to The Guardian, which is a radical left paper, as you know, from uh, Great Britain. And I'm just trying to see. So his book, as of Tuesday, The Daily Mail writes, was ranked number 12,581 on Amazon Kindle store. And he argues the Republican Party must move beyond Donald Trump's fraud claims about the 2020 election, slamming them as delusional conspiracy theories. And what is Christie's agenda? Anybody know what Christie's agenda is? I can tell you what Donald Trump's agenda is. To expand upon his great, great progress that he made in policies and agenda during four years of his presidency. Truly unbelievable, really, when you think about it. And you can see how difficult it was. I mean, look at Biden. Biden in 10 months is destroying this country. Destroying the country. Looking for every way possible to use the iron fist and the brass knuckles against the American people. Um, let's see here. The, uh, he wants to overhaul the Republican Party. He's dumping on Trump. In its first week, it sold uh, 2,289 copies of his book. And uh, the, the an industry newsletter 
uh, calls it a colossal publishing flop. And then they write in here, but look at John Carl. John Carl, ABC News, another phony reporter. Reporter, and his, he sold the same week 24,000 copies of his book, Mr. Producer. Here's what amazes me, folks, and I, I can share this with you, your family, right? Because it's very, it's very weird. The Daily Mail writes an entire piece on Christie's pathetic book. Because he sold 2,289 copies, which really is a, a complete disaster. This guy has no appeal among Republicans, Democrats, or anybody. Even New Jerseyans. None. And yet he's given a lot of face time with the uh, wide screens, necessary, of course, because he attacks Trump. That's all. He's a, uh, he's a useful idiot. The way Cheney's a useful idiot. And we have our useful idiots. They don't. We do. And so they compare his sales to Jonathan Carl, 24,000. And I say this to you because I think you'll, you'll get it. Why don't they compare his sales to my sales? And point out that in our first week, we had over 400,000 copies of the book at the various platforms sold. For 400,000. He wants to change the Republican Party. I want the Republican Party to, to be a solidly conservative, pro-American party. 1.2 million books almost. He's at 2,289. Why not make that compare? What Jonathan Carl with his 24,000 is pathetic in your first year say. It's pathetic. Hello, hello, did I say it's pathetic? But this is what I mean by the media in this country. It's the greatest secret in the world, except with the American people. So the Kate Mayorka sells 2,289 copies of his book. Now, if you exclude family, I bet he sold about 12 copies, Mr. Producer. That's just my guess. I think we sold that many books at the Reagan Library alone. I think we did. I think we sold that many books at the Reagan Library alone on one day. And this guy's all over the media. And his ego's so big that they, they can't find clothing to, uh, to dress it up with. He'll still do these stupid shows. Because he thinks he really has something to offer the country. He's nothing to offer the country. Now, why do I call him the Cape Mayorka? Because he's a big boy? No. That's why I call him a sperm whale. But don't you remember that time everybody had to get off the beaches? You remember this, Mr. Uh, producer? And Mr. Callscreener remembers, he's a New Jerseyan. Get off the beaches. Why was it? Because of the hurricane or something? One was coming or one had just come? I don't remember. I think they were concerned one was coming, right? Oh, it was a government shutdown. The New Jersey government shutdown. So there's this guy in a plane or however it worked, and they see this big form on the beach. There's nothing but this big form. And I surmised he must have thought it was a sperm whale. But no. Upon a closer look, it was the governor of New Jersey with his family. The only ones on the beach. Right, Mr. Callscreener? The only ones. Must have been pretty nice. I'd love to see that picture again, by the way. 
That's why I call him what I call him. But what exactly is it that this guy offers America? Nothing. Now, this Nicole Wallace, who has a very, very low IQ, well into the negatives, she's interviewing him. I saw this clip today as I prepared for our show. And she's beating the hell out of him. And one of the things she says to him, and I paraphrase, of course, one of the things she says to him is, how come you don't call out Fox for the way it lies about vaccines and its partisan positions or something to that effect? And he has this lame air. Well, this isn't a book about Fox. Well, you called out CNN. You called out MSNBC. His face turns red. He doesn't really know what to say. Well, when you write your book, you can include it. What a dumb response. The actual response should be, well, Fox is much more solid than you are. You chased Russia collusion for two and a half years. You sabotaged Sarah Palin when you were working for John McCain and giving her advice that, that sought to undermine her. You sold out to MSNBC, but he won't say it because he's carrying favor with MSNBC, which is why he's on Nicole Wallace's no-rated show. No-rated show. Now, I do notice he wasn't on Tucker. He wasn't on Hannity. I don't think he was on Ingram either. That I did notice, I think. But it's an amazing thing. He, he, the answer is, you should defend it. You should defend it. Fox has a news side. Fox has an opinion side. CNN and MSNBC are hate Republicans, hate conservatives, hate Trump all the time, 24-7, and you push lies. What exactly is the lie that Fox has been telling about vaccines? There's no lie. What is she taught? Challenge her. Take her on. No, 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 no. He, if you can't defeat Nicole Wallace in a one-on-one, and I would invite Nicole to come on. Miss Sweetness. I'd invite her to come on, or Joy Reid, or any of the other reprobates. Happy to chat with them. I'd be excited to debate them. Excited. Hello. Excited. But Chris Christie melted. Like the world's biggest popsicle. Just melted. He didn't know what to say. He's not attacking and backstabbing. Here's a guy that goes into the Trump inner circle, comes out of the inner circle, and writes stories about it. This is so dishonorable. So I've told you, I worked eight years in the Reagan administration. I never wrote a word about anybody in the Reagan administration. Which was a fantastic administration. But why would I write about other people in the Reagan administration? You see what John Bolton pulled? He was going to write a book about Trump. You don't do that. That's dishonorable. That's disloyal. And honestly, if you represent John Bolton in that effort, that's dishonorable and disloyal too. You can travel around in conservative circles all you want. I don't accept it. I don't accept it. But that shows you a complete lack of character. All right, I'm done with this guy. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Welcome back, America. One of my favorite senators, Mike Lee, is with us. He's a real constitutionalist. And he, uh, he wants to fight on this continuing resolution that everybody in Washington wants to hurry up and pass it because he wants to address this unconstitutional, really quite uh, autocratic mandate uh, that Washington seems to be pushing, led by Biden. Senator Lee, how are you, my friend? 
Doing great, Mark. Thank you very much. You know, it's interesting, Senator. I see a lot of people show up on Fox, senators among them, and they're really tough, and they speak out against the mandates, or they talk about the border, or they talk about something, and we need to stand up to this, and then, then when push comes to shove, we just need their vote. We just need their vote. They don't vote the right way, and in fact, they trash people like you. What do you make of this? Well, it happens. It comes with the territory. I'm not here for the food, not here for the praise. I'm here to make sure that your constitutional rights aren't being eroded. Look, what's happening here is that they're trying to shut down the American workforce between a quarter and a third of the workers in many, many states are currently at risk of losing their jobs, losing their jobs completely under the dictatorial command of a president uh, acting outside the scope of his statutory or constitutional authority. He's the biggest usurpation of power since 1952. We can't let it stand. So what we're trying to do... Hold on now. Was that uh, the the steel mill? I'm trying to recollect. When, When Harry Truman seized the entire American steel industry on April 8, 1952... It was a huge usurpation of executive power. This is on scale with that. We haven't seen anything quite like this since then. He doesn't have authority to do this. It's also something that's highly immoral. You don't just tell hardworking moms and dads, you can't have your job because you won't comply with presidential medical orthodoxy. That's wrong. In fact, an Axios poll revealed recently that nobody... Well, only 14% of the American people, I don't know even who these 14% are, think that someone should be fired from their job because they won't mm-hmm. get the jab. It's really quite unbelievable. So what are you trying to do? Look, I want to make sure that we shut down the government's ability to enforce this mandate. I don't want to shut down the government. The only thing I want to shut down is President Biden's unconstitutional sweeping vaccine mandate. We've got 15 U.S. senators who have signed the Roger Marshall letter expressing opposition to any bill that funds the vaccine mandates. And what I'm telling them is that if they want me to grant expedited consideration of the continuing resolution, keeping the government funded past midnight, it's an easy thing to do. All they have to do is agree to suspend the enforcement of the vaccine mandate for at least the duration of the continuing resolution. That's fair enough. If we're going to fund the government, we need to allow the people to continue to work in their jobs. So it's you who really want the government at its basic level to function. It's you who are standing up for the people to keep their jobs. And it's the, it's, it's the others who want to just keep spending money, spending money, redistributing wealth. But I, I, I want to ask you a question. Do you not find it bizarrely ironic that we still have talk about shutting down aspects of the private sector? Uh, you heard, heard Fauci today and so forth and... Really, it was talked about a year and so ago about how righteous it is uh, to stay at home and, and, you know, cower in the corner and uh, cover up and do all these other things Americans don't normally do. And when it came to the private sector, it didn't matter what shut down. It didn't matter if it were churches. It didn't matter if it was businesses. It didn't matter who went out of business. But when it comes to the government, it shuts down for one damn hour. It's like the whole world's coming to an end. Have you noticed that, Senator? Absolutely. Absolutely. These guys are... are key dramatis personae in the dystopian nightmare, the, the tyranny of the expertise, something that, that you've been warning about for 12 years. 
The first time I remember you writing about this was in your masterpiece, Liberty and Tyranny. I read that well, 12 you. years ago. You, you, you described the, the, the risk, a risk ironically foretold by Franklin D. Roosevelt when he was governor of New York. Mm-hmm. He said if we, if we were going to experience this kind of tyranny in the United States, it had come in the form of a, of a soft, smiling, sweet tyranny in the form of experts. But for that to work, an inordinate amount of power would have to be focused in Washington, D.C., in the executive branch. He turned out to be right. Tragically, he, FDR, facilitated that, and we're living in that dystopian nightmare. But that's why we, we get back to this. Look, if Biden and Schumer want to shut down the whole economy with their vaccine mandate mm-hmm. and go along with the government, that's their decision. But it's, it's not unreasonable to expect that Congress should have an opportunity to address that vaccine mandate. Millions of American yeah. workers across the country, are, and over a half million in Utah, are at risk. We, we can't allow that to happen. You know, it's amazing when we come to these, these issues of these, the, the dysfunctional federal government. We have to have these continuing resolutions. It's mostly because of the Democrats. They want to use these budgets to change our country, to change our economy, to attack our founding principles. And so when you have a senator like you who stands and says, wait a minute, we need to think about that. It just has to be so damn frustrating, as I say, when you see fellow Republicans and so forth. Nah, we don't want to, nah. I mean, it's not like you're going to war. It's not, it's not like your life's on the line. I mean, Reagan shut the government down six times, and he did it proudly because he wanted certain things done. Certain things done. Country's not going to come to an end. As a matter of fact, most of the country's on autopilot. Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, the military, all these things continue to be funded. And so I don't know what the problem is. What is it? They want to get home for Christmas or something? I don't know. I I, I don't know. I I, I can't speak for them, but it is a source of immense frustration when that happens, especially when you see Republicans attacking other Republicans, Republicans attacking Republicans, and essentially uh, suggesting that it's we, the conservatives, who are wanting to shut down the government when nothing can be further from the truth. To the extent you hear any Republicans saying that, Ask them the question. Have you been that hard on Schumer? How about Biden? All we're asking for is something that's entirely reasonable. Just delay the implementation of the enforcement of the vaccine mandates throughout the duration of this temporary stopgap spending measure. Because you know what shuts down the American economy faster than anything? Firing between a, a third and, and a, a fourth and a third of the workers in many of our states. That's harmful, and it's immoral, and it's illegal. See, what you just said, and we're going to have to go soon, is the way I would I would raise this. That you, Senator Lee, because it's true, also happens to be true. You're standing for the American worker. You're standing for the people who want to work, who are working, who are contributing to this country. That's who you're standing up for. Because that's, as I listen to you, you've brought it up three times, and I think you're 100% correct. Ten seconds, Senator. Go right ahead. President Biden wants to make millions of Americans not just unemployed, but unemployable medical pariahs. He has no moral, legal, or constitutional authority to do that. We must stop him. Amen. We support you, Senator. Good luck to you. I'll be right back. Thank you. America's most powerful conservative voice. 
The Mark Levin Show. Dial in now. 877-381-3811. So my buddy Don from Lake Ronkonkoma, New York, he points out that Omicron, the new variant, when you move the words around, it spells moronic. I said, is that right? And I just did it. And he's right. So good for you, Don. That is a good one. You can use that on Hangman or whatever. But Omicron, moronic. I understand when you move the letters Fauci around, it spells quack. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? It really does. All right, let's take some calls. What do you say? I say yes. Let's go to Marshall, Hamilton, Montana, XM Satellite. Marshall, how are you, sir? Yellow, Hello, Mr. Yellow. Levin. How are you, Marshall? Hey, I can I, barely hear. Right, go ahead. <laughs> sorry, I've been good. Uh, so I kind of wanted to make a comment about uh, talking about the Supreme Court and all the abortion stuff. Right. Um, so so I got I got quite a, quite a past. Um, I come from a murderous father, literally, and a pretty, pretty heavy drug addicted mother. Now, the argument that I get all the time when trying to debate with these crazies is that you're either for abortion or, yeah, you're either for abortion or you're for abuse. Now, I was 10 when I was adopted. You know, like I went through the foster care system for years. Yeah, it sucks. Like, I'm not going to sit there and try and sugarcoat it. It sucked. But, my my point is, the parents that adopted me are literally the best thing that has ever happened to me. I've got a wonderful life. They raised mm-hmm. me well, gave me conservative values. Um, I, I now am and married with a you. wife and three children of my own. They yeah. love me like no one's business, just yeah. like any real parent should have. So when I hear this this argument that you know you're either for abortion or a woman's right to choose, or you're for you know, a huge increase in the children in the systems. And right. it's just, it's just ludicrous. Like, yeah, sure. You know, maybe, but you're going to sit there and say that they don't get a chance. They don't get a, they don't get a say. I got to say, I got to change my name. Yeah. You know, like, and you got life. Life is so precious. Oh, it's so, pre- and, and you know, to just say it's a choice, you know, Marshall, I'm so pleased that you called. I'm so proud that you had the guts to call because We really need to hear from more people who could have been killed in the womb, but who lived and have lived productive lives. You say you have a wife, you have three kids. May I ask, and I don't mean to get, what do you do? I am a painter. I mean, that's terrific. uh, Construction. I mean, it's a soft construction, but. (laughs) No, but it's important. I don't like painting. Somebody has to paint. My dad used to love painting, but, uh. I want to thank you, Marshall. It's a wonderful, uplifting call, my man. And God bless you, and have a wonderful uh, Christmas. Thank you very much, you too, sir. What a great guy, right? But he's not alone, you know. Barbara, Hartsville, South Carolina, XM Satellite. Barbara, how are you? Lower your radio. Lower your radio. Appreciate it. Yellow. Yes, sir. I am... Um... I was born in Cuba, and I came 52 years ago in 1969 legally with my dad. He had to work cutting sugarcane for three years to get our visas. We came on the Freedom Flight. He came with three kids. My mother, by the communist regime, was denied her visa. 
And she was forced to stay behind in Cuba for 23 years with three other siblings. So we were split for 23 years. And when I see what this administration... Wait a minute, I thought the Marxism was paradise. I don't know what planet, but not in, not in this earth. Well, apparently um, within the Democrat Party uh, caucus, you know. They live in a magnificent free country while peddling this Marxist tyranny. Anyway, go right ahead. No, sir, and that's why I'm running for Congress right now. Oh, really? Where? I am not Where? a politician. The thought of running never... In, South, uh, in South Carolina, Congressional District 7 against uh, Tom Rice, who voted to impeach President Trump. Good for you. So it's, um, What's your full name? I never thought in a million years. Well, Barbara Arthur is the last name. Mm-hmm. Arthur. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm fighting, and I'm encouraging every American citizen that I can possibly grab a hold of and, and just implore, fight for our freedom. My Amen. family suffered for freedom. And so I'm fighting with all of my heart for this freedom that is under attack right now. And if we do not fight, we're going to lose our country. This is so deep. I started doing research before I got into this race of all the executive orders President Trump enacted to protect us. Uh, China's here, and it's really deep, uh, to protect us. And then when Biden got in there on the very first day on January 20th, he just took, he took off. And, uh, and I could not understand why he would do that, except that he really uh, has sold us out. He does not care one bit about So let me country. ask you a question. Is the Republican primary pretty uh, loaded up with a number of candidates? Totally. Totally. But I'm not one bit concerned about that because I'm working harder than anyone else. I'm out there. I'm working 8 to 12 hours a day. I'm out there meeting people. And that's so if people, people want to help you, where do they go? They can go to my website, Barbara Arthur for Congress, for SC, Barbara Arthur for F-O-R-S-C dot com. That's my website. Barbara all Arthur right, Barbara. for SC. But what I wanna, I, 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 that's all I can do. I want to thank you for your call. You sound like a terrific candidate. I don't know the others, but I hear what you stand for, and I hear your passion. That's very, very important. See, folks, people who have suffered under these regimes, to me, make the best members of Congress because they know. Families that have suffered under these regimes, they know. Let's go to Jay Marion, Ohio. On the Mark Levin app, Jay, go right ahead, please. Oh, hi, Mark. Uh, I'm calling you from my own uh, non Let me just say to Mr. Producer, we're having trouble with these phone calls, are we not? They sound pretty bad. Uh, you may want to uh, wake up the engineer tomorrow and tell him we're having phone issues yet again. Go right ahead, my friend. Oh, hi, Mark. Um... I called about the abortion issue, and one of the arguments that I always hear given for abortion is that a woman has a right to control her own body. And uh, I took a graduate-level course in embryology, which was one of the most fascinating courses I ever took. And at the time, these people were talking about Sir, I, I don't mean to be rude. I want to apologize to you. It's our fault. I can't, I can't fully understand because of the staccato nature of the static here. I think we're going to take an early break and uh, regroup here. We may have to just pass on the calls tonight and return with the calls tomorrow night. But don't go away. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Here's
Here's some headlines. Daily Wire. As Biden resumes nuclear talks, Iran declares we will not back off from the annihilation of Israel. Now, why would we be negotiating an appeasement deal, a surrender deal with the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran when they talk about annihilating Israel? There actually was an excellent piece in the Jerusalem Post today which was talking exactly about what the Iranians are up to. The Iranians, ladies and gentlemen, according to four-star General McKenzie, you may remember him, uh, the Iranians are literally within probably two months of having a nuclear weapon. So their game now is to take the, the idiot Biden and the idiots surrounding him and to play delay. And so they say that uh, you must remove all sanctions against us uh, before we will even negotiate with you. And they're dragging the administration in Europe along. The Russians are laughing. The Communist Chinese are laughing. And the piece in the Jerusalem Post is called Iran Starts Enriching with Advanced Centrifuges While Stalling in Vienna Talks. When I watch this guy, the Secretary of State, Blinken, I cringe at the immaturity, the stupidity, the inexperience outside of a cloistered ivory tower. I cringe. In this, I agree with John McCain, who said he was utterly unqualified, even to serve as Deputy Secretary of State, let alone Secretary of State. But then again, that is the definition of the Biden administration, isn't it? It's like this guy Sullivan. National Security Advisor who was involved in the Russia collusion. Another idiot. So they're creating disasters wherever they go. And here's what I want you to understand. The Russians have 100,000 troops on the border with Ukraine. The communist Chinese flew a record 150 jets near, near Taiwan over four days. The Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran is within inches, time-wise, of having a nuclear weapon. And in that regard, even the divided, phony government in Israel, led by a guy who couldn't get elected party leader anymore, this guy Bennett, who has a very, uh, well, very troubling, similar look to Brian Stelter at CNN, quite frankly... Nonetheless, uh, he ran to the right of Netanyahu and then quickly swung to the left. This is what the hacks do. But nonetheless, even he has said that we reserve the right to attack Iran. And you know what the Biden administration said? Don't do it. Really, under no circumstances. In other words, the Biden administration will not back up the Israelis or several of the Arab Gulf nations if they seek to destroy the Iranian nuclear weapon program, which could be an act of war. When it comes to Taiwan, the comments about Taiwan from this administration have been lame. And of course, Blinken called uh, his counterpart in Russia and said, we'd like you to reverse your, uh, your troop movements uh, on the border with Ukraine, which of course was very effective. At the same time, they're effectively cutting our defense budget. They're effectively cutting the defense budget. 
while the Chinese have hypersonic weapons that exceed anything we've even imagined, first they stole technology from us, then they build on top of it. That's what they always do. Even the Russians, a poor, relatively small country, 170 million people, a very, very weak economy, but Putin pours that money into his military, boy. They are more advanced on their hypersonic weapons than we are. I've talked to you about the electromagnetic potential attacks on our electrical grid. I've talked to you about that for years and years with Peter Pry and others. Not just on my Fox show, but even before my Fox show, behind this microphone and on Levin TV, multiple times. We've done nothing really effective so far to protect ourselves against that, and all it takes is the inbred from North Korea to launch, even in a crude way, and to... uh, Uh, and to explode a nuclear weapon above the United States in our atmosphere, and that would blow out the electrical grid, which estimates would kill 90% of the American population within 30 to 60 days, because you'd have no access to anything. No communications, no ability to drive your vehicles. uh, Nothing would work. You couldn't get food. Food couldn't get to the stores. Farmers couldn't produce food. All the tractors would be gone. All the... Again, the ele- anything that's electric or battery-oriented would be dead. You couldn't get money. Nothing. So you'd starve to death, you'd freeze to death, whatever it is. And it can be what I would call sloppy nuclear attack. One bomb, it doesn't have to be precise on any particular... Iran is such a, is such a concern. Why well, we have exactly the wrong president at exactly the wrong time in our history. And we don't take these things seriously. And so this is a big problem. I'm looking at these headlines here. Russia starts full-scale production, this is Zero Hedge, of hypersonic missile that can evade Western defenses. Now the Communist Chinese, them alone, they have the ability to knock out our GPS system where they have satellite-killing satellites. They have weapons on their satellites that can kill our satellites. This is exactly why Trump created the Space Force. Against a lot of opposition. It wasn't so easy, he told me. Uh, But of course, his tweets, you know. uh, And then um, the hypersonic missiles, again, to evade our defenses, our uh, strategic defense initiative. You remember when Reagan pushed the strategic defense initiative? How the Democrats and the media mocked him. Oh, Star Wars, Star Wars. The Israelis have depended on it, and we have a few cities, I assume, if not part of the country, that's protected by the same advanced weaponry, except it cannot, it cannot take out hypersonic weapons. So the communist Chinese and the Russians behind them are using what was our technology to build technology that can um, get around our technology. Now, why are you building hypersonic missiles that can have nuclear warheads? Why are you building killer satellites? Because you want to conquer Bolivia or Botswana? No, to threaten us. And what are we doing about it? Next to nothing. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. I hope you'll join with us tomorrow, and I'll see you then. God bless.